JB Knowledge Podcast Network. On episode 49 of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about accident detection and response for insurance with Itai Bengad from Indigo. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Greetings and salutations out there in InsureTech Geek Land. This is your host, James Benham. I am here with my illustrious co-host, the most interesting man in insurance, Rob Galbraith. Rob, how's it going? It's going. It's going already in February. It's hard to believe. What happened with that? Where did January go? <laughs> Seriously. I, I, I'm kind of like COVID memory, you know, like we're in a time warp and everything's moving faster for some reason. Like I, I like we're we're literally approaching approaching the shutdown versary, you know, like when the whole world <laughs> shut right. down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah. I remember when they said it could be a year to a year and a half. I was like, oh no, it can't last that long. Oh no, it did last that long. <laughs> like, it did, yeah. No, I have not been on a plane since early March, which is hard to believe. What? Uh, all your oh. well, luckily, you, all the frequent flyer programs kicked it down the road another year, so you don't have to lose all of your status. Marriott keeps giving me free nights. I'm like, this isn't gonna <laughs> help much. I'm sorry, it's cost is not the issue. <laughs> That's awesome. And and joining us from Tel Aviv, Israel, we have Itai. Uh, ben God, Itai, how you doing? Hi there. I'm fine. Great. Thank you. And thank you for uh, having me and for the opportunity. How have you been? Yeah. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And of course, always happy to have, we have quite a few tech firms from Israel that have been on both my podcasts, the Constru- the Content Career and the InsureTech Geek. There's a lot of innovation over in Israel, a small country, lots of innovation. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, there's, there's, there's funny, like, of course, Rob and I are both from, well, we both live in Texas. Neither of us are from Texas, but we've both been here for a while. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of comparison maps that show how Israel would fit inside of central Texas, right? Just in like the little middle part of our, our state, you know, small geographic area in the news a lot, of course, in the news a lot recently had uh, a lot of normalized relations. So Israelis can go to Dubai now and go to the beach and saw a lot of pictures of that on, on Instagram, everybody Instagramming their, their vacations to Dubai on the beach. So interesting time is always in the Middle East. But uh, we're certainly happy to to have you on here, Atai. And we're going to talk all about uh, all things geeky. I just want to remind our listeners out there that if you want to subscribe to our podcast, you can text "geek out" to six six eight six six. So if you're watching this on uh, Vimeo, or you're watching this on Facebook, where we stream the video, or you're watching it on Twitter, where we also stream, uh, you can you can subscribe uh, just by texting "geek out" to six six eight six six. And then you can get our weekly email with the show notes and the news items and, of course, the link to listen to the, to the show. Back to our guest. Itai, let's, uh, we're going to talk about InsureTech and we're going to talk about 
all kinds of fun topics like accident detection response, how that how that ties into insurance. Before we do that, I want to talk about you. You've got some 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 good you know educational pedigree. I want to talk about, and I just want to say we, we, you were. I'm guessing you were born and raised in in Israel. It looks like you went to school in Jerusalem. Tell us about you. Like, where were you born and raised? What did you envision doing when you grew up? Well, that's uh, that's going to be uh, fairly far away from where I'm at. But uh, perhaps interesting uh, path to look at. I grew up in the north. I knew I would like to study medicine since, I don't know, I was 12. If you're asking me what I thought I'm going to do, I thought I'm going to head to a hepatobiliary surgery, which combines many of the things that I love, which is the, uh, the surgeon uh, work and, uh, well, Many many other aspects on my on my you know my free time, which I am not sure if I have such. But ideally, um, you know, many of my hobbies are outdoors. Uh, I cycle, uh, which eventually brought brought me to do what I'm doing today. And I will probably talk about it in a couple more sentences. But I cycle, I run, I swim, I climb, I mountaineer. I have three dogs, two cats, a freshly new daughter. Uh, so and 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 what's what what I have in my mind uh, the vast majority of the time is is any every time I, I I find myself in some kind of experience I just just try to to figure out why I didn't like like it or what could have you know uh, make it a bit better and then yeah and that's it so that's pretty much who I am so you actually are a doctor you got a medical degree yeah yeah I am I graduated med school from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem I worked for a period period of time at the Saraski Medical Center, which is the biggest trauma center that, uh, that we have here in, in Tel Aviv, shifted all the way from the, the heights of Jerusalem to the uh, nearby the sea of, of Tel Aviv. And uh, yep, so, so I'm a medical doctor that actually works now as a, as a CEO of an insurance tech company. But once we'll drill down into what are we stand for, you will see that it's actually fairly obvious and it's kind of weird if if you're not. So, this is how what? Okay. So the so talk so talk to me about where the idea came from for Indigo. What 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 was the what was the impetus that got you to leave medicine and go into insure tech? And so you know what what was the what was the problem statement? What happened that uh, brought the idea up? Yeah. So I think it was I don't know if it was during my sixth or seventh grade as a med student I had my trauma rotation, and I tell you I'm I'm a cyclist. I participate triathlons, and in one of our morning practices, which was me and a friend of mine from my faculty, we had our usual morning training at six a.m. on Wednesday or so, and it was right behind me when we took a really uh, steep uh, road and he hit uh, a road sign at about 45 miles per hour. Obviously, I didn't see that. I, I, I figured out something went wrong when right after the, the, the hill, I didn't saw, see him. And then I went back and obviously he cracked his helmet and he was unconscious. And, and it was clear that I have no idea what's, what's, what's going on with him. You know, he cannot speak. Uh, and I have no idea what happened. And well, I took into the trauma unit and went through the entire process because I was already during our rotation. And and then it pretty much hit me that you know it, it took us a, a lot of time in the trauma unit to understand what happened. You have to go. Well, well there, there's no point questioning, right? 
he has no idea what happened. So he has to go through a very, you know, several algorithms and go through some computer tomographies and, and so on until you start to get the first idea of, of what went wrong and uh, what you might expect to see. And uh, it really struck me hard understanding that we have the most advanced technology in the hospital, but practically there's an enigma coming in and we now have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's wrong with that guy instead of, you know, bring in with a ticket and just provide and push the, the best therapy that we can because in the medical area you have this uh, golden hour many things that uh, must be initiated during the first hour otherwise you know the odds for you to provide the, the proper treatment to that person highly decrease and that really that really pushed me to the idea that when accident occurs people are are really helpless you know, that is a, a severe case. It's a severe case with severe injuries. But when you're looking at car accidents, even if it's a, something which is very, very minor, people are helpless. And the fact that we don't know neither what happened, if you are not aware of what exactly happened in that situation, your capability to provide with the proper help and, and, and service practically doesn't exist. If you know nothing about a situation, you cannot provide the right treatment, and that goes to the bigger situation. If you don't know um, that a person was involved in the accident, you cannot provide help. If you don't know what has happened to his vehicle, you cannot provide help. If you don't know what are the expected injuries, you cannot provide help. And and it's this helplessness that uh, brought me to understand that there must be a solution in which we will be able to get a very, very, very clear image of what has happened during that situation and push the right and the proper service that uh, should be uh, provided, whether health-related or just, you know, service-related. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, and you've heard about this kind of golden hour. The, you know, the, the, the very first minutes after any kind of trauma are absolutely critical. There's been a lot of reporting on that with, with sports injuries as well. Like how, how quickly they get on top of sports injuries has a huge impact on how well that person's going to recover from that event. Uh, whether it's heat stroke, <clears throat> of course, now here in the United States, you know, football teams all over the country keep a giant bucket of ice water on the sidelines, not to keep the drinks cool, but to dump players in. Because it turns out, if you just dump them in a bucket of ice, you can you can arrest heat stroke pretty quickly. And same thing with concussions. You know, they now do cold saline, or they do that immediately, and they can dramatically improve their ability to walk again. I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, you know, minutes count, right? I mean, seconds count. And so, and certainly having the data, if you're sitting there for 20 minutes trying to reconstruct what happened, I can, can prove challenging for the medical providers trying to put this person back together, right? And so yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting. Now, you know, this is not the first technology we've seen that gathers information on a car or from an accident. It, it is the first that I've seen that specializes in rapidly relaying that information to the insurer and the medical providers, though. Right. And that's, I think, is that, is that really where your distinct competitive advantage is? What, what makes you absolutely unique? I think that, I, I think that technology is a never sufficient uniqueness, you might say. I think that a mission statement is something that provides uniqueness and it could be coupled with very advanced technology. And we are very proud of our technology. It's being used by the safest car manufacturers in the world. And, and, and we are very, happy to to have that kind of technology but i think that um, the biggest mindset that is changed the way that 
we look at things than the other technologies that you've mentioned is why is that technology in there in the first place? I mean, if you're looking at many telematics companies that eventually try to provide better underwriting models for the insurance carriers and to understand how can they figure out a better book of business, we see things a bit differently. And eventually what we have in mind is the customer service, what people would get when something would happen. So I think the orientation is not the technology and our capability to look at the data and and analyze it differently, but is why are we looking at data from the first place, whether if it's to help the carrier or whether it's to help the policyholder in the case of uh, when now we discuss the insurance. So I, I think that is that is the biggest change because that practically drags along many, many differences of how do we treat with such data, what is being used for and what is not being used for and so on and so forth. Awesome. Rob? Ty, so <clears throat> love your backstory. And we often have founders on that had some experience with the insurance system and saw opportunity to improve it from that experience and, and kind of came into the industry that way. So I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. So M2Go, maybe you can walk me through, like, what does that customer experience look at? And my understanding is that you partner with insurance carriers to provide kind of that best-in-class customer experience. And, and that's different today than maybe it was even you know, five or 10 years ago, to your point, you know, time is money and customers are usually not recalling, you know, everything right at the moment. You know, they're not used to having this interrogation right after they've had a, an incident that leads to a claim. Their car could be damaged, there could be injuries. And so trying to ask, play a game of 20 questions with this person, right, can be really challenging. So maybe you can just walk us through what is an MDGO enabled experience look like for those that have you know had a an incident occur if they were to walk through using your flow sure i'll just i think i'll begin with the fact that that i think that the standard that that is at the industry today is being determined not by other insurance carrier nor new intratech companies but actually it's being determined by companies like Uber and Spotify and Netflix and Apple and Amazon that actually provides a service to each one of us usually, which got us to a point where we already get to use a very, very simple, slick experiences. And uh, there's, uh, because, because time matters. I mean, 30 years ago, handling with an accident wouldn't count for such a burden because even if I wanted to write a piece of article about the, I don't know, about the civil war, I would have to put a code, take an umbrella, go to the library, uh, pick up a few books, start uh, looking uh, for the best uh, parts and, uh, you know, assemble something. So 30 years ago, everything was tougher than it's today. But what happened is that all those tech companies have pushed us to the point where everything became very simple, very frictionless. Dealing with insurance companies, to some extent, pretty much uh, remained in many cases behind. And eventually, my job is to align those two things. People cannot use, uh, in the morning, Netflix and Amazon and Google. And when at noontime, someone you know smashed their car at a parking lot, 
they have to go back 20 years. It, it doesn't work that way anymore. And you have to adjust to the right time. So the way that we look at things, once, if, if you're not a specialist at insurance, it means that you, didn't, you shouldn't do things that are related to insurance. That's, that's the idea. I mean, you are not being asked to diagnose yourself before going to the physician. So those 20 questions that you've mentioned from our point of view should not be asked from the first place. Just like you're not being asked by the physician, what are you suffering from? I don't know. I don't know. That's not my job. And, uh, and we look at things the same. Eventually, my job is to make sure that the vehicle or the policyholder would never have to interact with the, with the carrier during that policy and everything would be done for him. So the difference of, of, of the service that you've asked is, so let's say I'll try to give an example of how a, a normal journey looks like and how our journey looks like. So when someone might hit someone from behind on a stop sign at six mile per hour, then you pick up the call on the phone and you probably, I don't know, you call to your father or to your friend or to your husband or to your wife, you know, 30 years ago, you might've called your agent, but there is an enormous shift towards direct insurance. So the vast majority of millennials don't have an agent to call to anymore. Uh, and usually people don't have their agent anymore on their um, uh, uh, speed dial. But, but the point is that you call someone you know, because you are looking for guidance. How am I going to handle that? The first number that you have in mind is not the insurance company. They're not gonna be the one who help you they're probably going to be the one that you're going to provide you with a check at some point. So during that process, uh, you would ask your dad, what should I do? What should I do with the car? What should I do with the person in front of me? What kind of details should I share with that person? Uh, he would like to take a picture of my ID. Is that fine? Is that not? Uh, because we don't know. An accident takes on average, happens about every 17 years or 10 years to each one of us. It means by definition that none of us would ever be an expert in, in, in accident management. And uh, so, so practically what happened is that you take the vehicle to the body shop that your father-in-law might be familiar with uh, and so on and so forth. And then eventually you will, you will contact your, uh, your carrier. At that point, a few hours or a few days later, those 20 questions that you've uh, mentioned have been forgotten for a long time now. And, and it's, it's normal, you know? But the last thing that people want to do when accident occurs, you start asking questions. It's an irritating moment. It uh, uh, people feel uh, helpless, and the last thing they want to go with, through an inquiry, and they know that if we'll interact immediately now with a the carrier, they're going to suffer some bad journey on top of the bad journey they already have. So we've decided to practically do everything for the person. So in our case, when it really depends on the type of the accident has occurred because when someone's smashing someone's vehicles in a parking lot, it's different than the one that I've just mentioned. And it's very different than someone that is involved in a severe accident at 1 a.m. in a rural road. And each one of those cases requires very different services, all the way from EMS dispatching to tow tracking to the relevant body shop. And it really depends on the value of the car and the different injuries and so on and so forth. So eventually, when we're looking at the, uh, the moment of the accident, our job, as I've mentioned before, is to make sure that that person won't have to do anything except waiting for two minutes for the Uber that will come pick us up, him up and everything would happen. 
Because eventually, and we all must remember, that it's the insurance best interest to gain control of the environment. Because this is where the truth is. This is where the 20 answers to those 20 questions could be found. So during that journey, actually, the first thing is SMS is being sent because we use no app because we don't want to bother anyone or to monetize anyone. And during that SMS, there is a web flow that allows an immediate and instant data exchange between the two parties. It's really important for both the driver that has no idea what data he should share with the third party. And it's extremely important for the carrier itself to engage with the third party already. The relevancy of the body shop is being determined due to a lot of different variants according to how much time you've been covered within that carrier, what's the value of the car, what is the damage. We're already aware exactly of what the damage is and if bodily injuries were sustained, what are the type of injuries? Because I hope you understand that in case of bodily injuries, none of the things that I mentioned at the moment is relevant. But but according to the exact vehicle damage, which body shop will be able to fix it uh, faster? Because it's really important whether the person will be able to get his vehicle back in one day or five days. It has a lot of implications and so on. And the tow tracking company, that everything happens automatically, including the Uber that picks you up and just, you know, lets you go. Eventually, you know, my job is to make sure that the policyholder has no job, practically. And of course, that the most divine, the way that we look at things, value proposition that we provide is the fact that every policy is digitally and directly connected to every EMS in the US. It's about almost 20,000 of those using a third party And that means that every vehicle that is being covered under our service will get an ambulance that will be dispatched if bodily injuries will be uh, suffered. And they will receive a very detailed report regarding the type and severity of injuries that that person has suffered. So they could optimize the right ambulance or the right helicopter and so on and so forth. So this is practically the difference between uh, between the two customer journeys that uh, you've asked. Yeah, context matters, right? Uh, not all accidents are created the same. And, and you know, we, we, we know a lot of those things. We not, may not know everything, but a lot of that can be pulled from your vehicle, from your policy, from your GPS, et cetera. So um, very fascinating. James? Yeah, let's talk about the tech for a second. Yeah. Your website, when you go to the technology page, talks about the sensor array that does this and so you have so you know timestamps tag id gps location angular velocity acceleration and then it and it says you know dozens of virtual sensors and so you're installing this on the vehicle's windshield it's an indigo tag that covers the vehicle so walk me through the actual tech what's the install process like what's the hardware look like how long does it take? What does it do? All right. So, so first of all, the product is based on three main ideas. The first one is privacy. The second one is simplicity. And the third one is the value proposition that the customer could get. So a sticker looks uh, just like that. Uh, it's literally a sticker. It has its own 4G and modem, its own GPS, a solar panel and a battery, and a few other basic components where the idea is that, that there is no other thing that you have to do except for mount it behind the, uh, the back mirror. What does it mean? It means that there is no app. You don't integrate with anything. You don't connect it into uh, any uh, electrical uh, power source. You don't do anything. There is no buttons on it. 
once it's mounted, it takes one second to just like the easy pass, right? Only it doesn't fall <laughs> off your windshield. So it's just like the easy pass and that's it. You don't interact with that. You don't uh, integrate. You don't pair nothing. And it hibernates the entire time unless a person requires for roadside assistance and then he, he double tap the, uh, the device, it wakes up and it pushes the data to the roadside assistance center. But other than that, it does absolutely nothing. It hibernates the entire time and it wakes up only upon crash. And uh, upon how, crash, yeah, how, how long does the battery last? It's a, it has a solar panel. So it's actually, it's actually not a matter of, of a battery. It's a matter of, of, of electricity, of electronics uh, components actually. And it's between four to five years. Okay, so it's got a solar panel. It's it's an accelerometer activated, right? So right. I, the accelerometer wakes it up on a certain type of violent event or the user tapping on it. Right, and this is the only time where the device uh, transmits data unless a theft event has been indicated and then we're manually activating the GPS to locate the vehicle. Other than that, it's just like I've mentioned. And then the... The the device itself has a LTE cell card in it or a three G. Right, like exactly. What, what? Exactly. It has it has a four G. It has a LTE with a SIM card, and it's fully autonomously. When once it's mounted, you don't have to tell anyone. You don't have to update. You don't have to send any data. We see everything in the cloud. In the cloud, there's the coupling of the sensor ID with the policy number. Uh, so from that moment and on, everything is already in the system. So no one need to be uh, notified or, I don't know download something or login or username it takes i don't know one second two seconds how much how many seconds it take you to put on the easy pass it's it's the same but no, no, yeah, no cameras though so you can't you can't remotely activate a camera and see what happened in the accident even though you're on the windshield no there is always the very delicate equilibrium that we have to play with on uh, what is the data that we acquire and uh, what is it people feel comfortable with Privacy is something which matters a lot to us, and this is why we don't mind how people look or what they've been doing or how they were driving or where they were driving and when. I told you the, the, the orientation of the product is to provide the right service to the right person at the right time. This is what we are aiming for. It's not let's maximize the data that we can gather because we are already there, so let's, you know, monetize people and let's track on them that's that's not our orientation of the product it's all about privacy from our point yeah so it's it's a, yeah, a little bit different you still need a dash cam then and why did you choose to do this route rather than an obd2 port well there are many many reasons one of the most important one is when you are looking for a very first of all many people have no idea what's the obd port uh, that included myself so many people have no idea what's the obd port uh, that's one thing. A uh, second thing, there is uh, when you're looking at a very, very detailed. In in a second, I will talk about the virtual sensors that you've mentioned. But when you uh, when you uh, try to to create a very, very detailed picture of what has happened in a moment, you have you need to have something which is very robust uh, during and very much fixed during during an accident. And the OBD port has its uh, has its issues, but it's mainly, mainly, mainly due to the fact that. We think that it's much more simple to put on an easy pass because everyone can do so than putting a plug in the OBD2. At least that's that's the way we see things. Awesome, Rob. Yeah, Ty, I love the the focus on the customer. And you kind of mentioned that a lot of these types of things have really been more for the carrier's benefit and, and may or may not. 
benefit their insured as well. And, you know, you've obviously taken it kind of from the insured's perspective first and and really, I think, asked at each point along the way, right? You know, what, does this benefit them? Whatever. So it's, it's an interesting uh, take on it for, for sure. You and I were talking before we started recording and you kind of mentioned that the question is not whether insurance is going to be disrupted or not, but it's really more about the timing. I mean, you've talked about some of the development on mobile phones, camera technology and others. So I just kind of wanted to have you expand on your thoughts, particularly, you know, your background as a medical doctor, right, that's kind of fallen into insurance. And obviously, you're at the intersection between insurance and, and technology and your offering, but you, you have a unique perspective on it. And so I would love to have you kind of expand on those thoughts. Yeah, well, I think that uh, the fact that, as I've mentioned, people already got used to very simple services and everything happens ad hoc, right? You don't have to wait for a taxi 20 minutes. I just, you just call the Uber, pushes the industry to provide with, with significant improvements of the customer service. But eventually the traditional industry is somewhat, you know, not always designed very well to push through digitalization, especially when you're talking about the core. And uh, I think that uh, these days, it's not only that technology is available for whoever can actually, you know, utilize it to the extent, but I think that the entrance of car manufacturers into that industry has actually created a very interesting point of view where, you know, insurance Traditional insurance would love to provide you with the crash concierge and make sure that you get the best care ever. The problem is that it creates uh, a burden from a financial point of view. It costs a lot of money to provide a concierge. So the car manufacturer actually would like very much to provide you a concierge because you might you know, pay OnStar, I don't know, $300 or $400 a year. And if an accident would occur, they would provide it with the best service on earth. The problem of the insurance company is that they will be the one to pick up the bill. So I think that what happens here that there is an industry that can provide the right experience to the right person at the right time. They're very much aware of the situation, but they will be the one that will face the customer and they will be the one that will get the A score. But luckily, they're not going to be the one to pay for that. So it's the car manufacturer incentive, you know, to to uh, take the vehicle to their own repair shop, provide you with a new uh, vehicle from their own brand and so on and so forth. But this is the exact opposite interest in many cases of the traditional insurer. So I think that the situation in which someone can elevate the bar and provide you with an exceptional service that is being paid, by the way, by, by someone else, right? By the traditional, they are the one to pick up the bill, will push everyone forward to align with those kind of services because eventually what happens is that the car manufacturer will gain more and more facing time with the customers, and that will result with a, a decreased brand loyalty. And, and eventually, you know, they will be able to just shift millions of people from one carrier to the other one because you know they do the entire facing in the back end you know someone provides with the service so i think that this is one of the milestones that are already taking place that would push the the traditional carrier you know at least to try to equal 
their services to the services that could be provided by high-tech car manufacturers, Tesla, GM, so on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, we kind of see more and more companies, car manufacturers, it's, it's really a computer on wheels, right? And James, you and I have talked about that before. And so those connected cars, we spoke with Daniel Wiseman, who's the CEO of Motion Insurance uh, recently on the podcast and talked about, you know, I think they're trying to get to the point where you can actually buy insurance from your in-vehicle you know, navigation system, right? And the idea of, you know, ordering your Starbucks from there and things like that. So yeah, it's 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 very interesting, right? They're getting closer to the consumer that they ever have before. I think in the past, dealers, right, have been kind of between car manufacturers and the ultimate consumers. But now with the connected vehicles and all the data that is capturing, those car manufacturers can actually have a direct relationship for the consumers in a way that they really haven't to in the past. So fascinating. James? Yeah, we're seeing the similar thing. I'm a pilot and, and flying. There's a lot of data now. And, and there's a, a running joke in, fly, in, in the pilot community now that you're really flying a computer at this point. You know, you're, yeah, I know my, my most recent training, like, look, you're, you're really turning into a systems manager here. You, yes, you are a pilot and you need to be able to fly the plane, but you're, you're mainly spending your time managing the systems and you're really flying the computer. And, and I feel that way with, with, with cars too. Like you're really kind of managing the systems on the vehicle at some point. If y'all didn't see Tesla <laughs> completely redesign their dashboard on their, their Model S and their X. Have y'all seen it? There's no wheel anymore. <laughs> they they went to a yoke. They went to a yoke, like an airplane yoke. It's just a two handle yoke. It's completely different because you're not you're not really using the wheel like you used to anymore in a Tesla. And so there there's a major shift even in how vehicles are being used and how they're being designed and and the the like the user experience for for the vehicle as a whole uh, is completely being revolutionized uh, seeing the same movement in airplanes the a lot of the new modern uh, released airplanes have have a joystick on the left instead of a yoke because you know you're you're really not using it very much right mm-hmm. i mean it's 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 a surprising little amount of hand control so there there's there's a there's a major movement across all of transportation towards automation and uh, of course the, the the volumes of data are really quite staggering that are that are being collected so let's wrap up our conversation with this. If this is where you're at right now, you, you've got the hardware dialed in, you're selling this, you, you've got data uh, being collected, you're, you're doing injury predictions. I mean, you're, you're predicting all kinds of things based on the accident data. You're relaying it at real-time network, you're on LTE, you're probably gonna move to 5G when that's available. What's, what's next? Like what, what's in the next five or 10 years that you think's the, the next step for this type of product? Well, I think that the next um, five years will be reduce the amount of the current existing friction into nearly zero, if not a totally zero, because uh, I do think that there's, I think that the, the auto insurance will remain to some extent auto insurance, even though today the, you know, the best or the biggest a camera seller is a cell phone company. Uh, so they do nabs one from others industry, and that's what I think would happen with the car manufacturers and the insurance. But I think that the most important thing would be that the reduction of the human interaction and facing when it comes to insurance will be converted into a reduced loss ratio. Because providing service 
it's something that costs money. And it, it's a very competitive, uh, it's a very saturated, it's a very competitive market. You cannot, you know, overprice. So the big challenge and only companies that have a digital core, at least to my knowledge, will be able to mitigate that leap is once you have provided with an amazing frictionless experience where people remain with the same carrier for several years because there is no point of changing that, it will be translated in a reduced claim cost because reducing claim cost is the number one priority, I think, at least from our point of view. So eventually the entire, the entire journey that, that we've mentioned must pay for itself. We should not expect that people would pay for uh, such a, a journey or such a service. They would pay for, you know, perhaps the lowest price or the lowest price when the best uh, policy. So the biggest challenge would be to take all this data and not only provide with an amazing customer service, but actually reduce dramatically the claim cost. And this is by answering those 20 questions automatically. Otherwise, if you don't control the first five minutes, you know, in medicine, there is the golden hour. In auto insurance, there is the golden three minutes. If you didn't were able to manage the first three minutes, that's it. You, you lost. You, you lost that one. So, so there is no point. There's already an attorney waiting uh, for you there. So, Oh, there's always an attorney waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, you look at claim, claim costs uh, before and after attorney involvement and they're, they're drastically different, right? Yeah, five times, I think that's the number. Yeah, and the and then the outcomes for the the you know the actual claimant aren't necessarily better, right? I mean, it's just the, because it, the you know all all insurers have a strong desire to to make that person whole again, right? That's the, that's yeah. that's 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 the entire desire, and so that can happen in a far more efficient way. Well, yeah, thank but, you for. Yep, I wanted to agree and uh, say that uh, eventually insurance will have to regain people's trust once again. That's it. That's 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 their biggest mission. Yeah, and and one of the things you can do to gain their trust is by showing them that you are taking every, every possible step to restore them, right? right. Like right. you're, you, you know, and and this this goes down to one of your concepts. Like why why even have them file a claim? They don't, they don't have to. It's already been filed. The hard you know the hardware takes care of it. When you know if you can proactively pay them and handle their situation and really turn into a concierge service, then it's a completely different relationship. It's this company has my back, not I'm in an adversarial position with this company. So that's, that's great. And your tech really takes it, takes that, takes that to a completely different level. And, and I, and I gotta say this, I, you know, I've been writing software since 1991. I've been involved in hardware and software a long time. I love unique solutions, like truly unique. This is actually unique. I mean, you're, you're combining a, a suite of a sensors and technology and software in a way that I haven't seen yet. And uh, that's that's pretty exciting, and I'm certainly excited about what you're working on, and uh, I'm certainly looking forward as well to all of us being able to travel, so we can we can get together and and look at it in in person. Where can people go to find out more information about your company? So you can all read about that at mdgo.io. You can read about the product. Uh, we haven't discussed the technology, but uh, I think that the technology is very interesting and appealing, as you've mentioned. So I think that would be a great piece of free. Yeah, that's great. MDgo, right. Uh, that's awesome. Rob, any closing comments? You know, I, I tied just a, a really a comment more than a question, but I, I love the focus on the experience. We often do not think in the insurance industry of insurance as an experience. 
it's kind of something you, you get because you have to get it right and it's something you endure <laughs> and so i love that focus of you know this is an experience and i'm you know been watching a lot of sports lately and obviously getting a ton of you know ads from you know state farm and geico progressive and all this and i'm just thinking man if all that money that's being spent on advertising were in, instead invested in experiences as you've described I just think that's how you earn customers for life. And, you know, companies that that are able to step up and really stand out from an, a true insurance experience, not, hey, you were better than, than you know, a, a bad crop, right? It was marginally better, but truly an outstanding experience. I think the word of mouth, right, that you would get in the endorsements, that's how Amazon, Netflix, others, right, have, have really grown. Yes, there's some advertising, but it really wasn't as much TV advertising as really that word of mouth of people being delighted. You know, that's not a, a term that you hear a lot of in insurance. So yeah, best of luck to you going forward. At Ego. Thank you. Awesome. And that is all the discussion for today. We do have a couple of news stories that Rob has brought to the table. Rob, what you got? Yeah, just quickly, James. Willis Towers Watson came out with their kind of latest report talking about InsurTech funding for 2020. And uh, this article is in the Insurance Journal. So PNC, which is near and dear to my heart, got a record $4.7 billion uh, in funding. And if you look at all in, InsurTech funding was $7.1 billion in 2020. That may sound like a lot, but I can tell you it's certainly a drop in the bucket compared to a $5 trillion global insurance industry. And so, you know, the article kind of goes on to say, you know, there was definitely a dip in the second quarter as we're hitting that anniversary, right, our COVID uh, anniversary, but really recovered very, very well in uh, the third and fourth quarter to the point where we are setting new records despite uh, the crazy year. Awesome. And of course, that's good news for ideas getting to come to market. Right. So when you have when you have funding funding flowing, then uh, new ideas can get to market, and old ideas that uh, might not have turned to profit yet have a have a chance to extend their runway to try and prove out their business model. Yeah, I think we're at that point where it's no turning back. Right. That's the what a sentiment I, I get when a lot of the folks I talk to that that Intratech is here to stay. Obviously, that's the premise of my book. But I think right some of the exits that we've seen and, and we've talked about before on this podcast have certainly validated that. And then another item actually that was. Uh, in the news this week that I think is highly relevant to the conversation we were just having with Atai is that Ford and Google announced that Android is going to be used as the software powering their dashboard. And that's going to allow all manner of different apps to be run on your Ford vehicles. And so I found this kind of to be interesting, and particularly the Android piece, right? Opening up, not just being a proprietary software and you've got to work through Ford, but the fact that they're building it on Android obviously opens it much, much wider to the developer community. So uh, you guys are the, the tech experts, not me, but curious to get your thoughts, uh, both James yeah. and Atai on this. Well, this is a big deal. If you remember Ford's technology history, they struck a very long more than decade-long relationship with Microsoft for their their in-car technology suite, and so switching to Google and Android is a pretty major shift for them. From you know, they they were the prime mover behind partnering with Microsoft. Microsoft really didn't show up to the game for auto like Apple and Android did. Now I I'm a pretty hardcore Apple head, and uh, you know I use CarPlay every day. And it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive stuff, but Android really does power the majority of the mobile world out there. So it's no surprise that they picked a, an open a relatively open architecture in Android to uh, allow for more apps to be run 
on the on the uh, the mobile system and for it to run on the of course what is really turning into a giant uh, tablet with wheels most vehicles are are ending up with like an iPad Pro size or larger if you look at the at the RAM the RAM truck has the largest tablet I've ever seen on a vehicle other than you know, some of the older Teslas and te- Tesla's even even reduced the size of their their tablet on some of their their uh, their vehicles and so there, there there are some just some massive displays uh, being put into these into these vehicles. Um, Tesla is the only one I know of that actually allows you to use your steering wheel to play a video game on the car, though, which I think is pretty sweet, but does result in your wheels turning while you're in a parking spot while you're playing a video game. Not that I've ever done that. Um, yeah, because there's a driver game is pretty, pretty awesome. So I'm excited about the partnership with Android and with uh, with Google. It's I. Well, I think it's a it's a huge step towards everything we've discussed uh, about uh, gaining not only you know better experience. Uh, that's uh, eventually that's the way to preserve customers, but uh, but actually try to nab additional industries. But I think that eventually you know what pushed forward to do so. It's not only thinking, oh, uh, people are going to have more fun now in my car, but actually behind that, there is the financial engine of how are they going to make money from the data that they can provide and how would that be um, translated into different apps? And then what is the best platform they can provide their apps uh, upon uh, uh, to generate new revenue streams? Because one of the biggest challenges that the car manufacturer have today, they have so many sensors. I think they have more more uh, um, codes uh, than than the average airplane, but um, but yet how that technology is being converted into additional revenue stream is something that I think they yet to figure out. I think this is one of the reasons why they've been pushing really hard on insurance because insurance is something that is makes sense, right? You provide a car, you have details, so let's push it towards insurance. But I think that. Uh, it, it would be very exciting to see if in, in five or seven years, we could see that uh, Ford were able to gain additional uh, uh, dramatic uh, new revenue stream. Yeah. I do want to point out, this is um, actually, if you didn't know it, another major blow for BlackBerry, as if they could have more blows uh, for BlackBerry. <laughs> um, Ford Sync, while it started out with in their partnership with Microsoft, um, for version three and version four, uh, which which really started um, a few years ago, they switched to it being powered by QNX, which is the software that BlackBerry Limited um, has. So for the last five or six years, QNX has had a good deal of revenue providing uh, Sync 3 and Sync version 4. Um, this means that they will not be using QNX anymore uh, or have any uh, connections with Microsoft. Uh, Ford will be working with Google. And so... Uh, Everybody thought that QNX would be the the savior of BlackBerry or that, or that messaging would, and it looks like this is another major blow for the Canadian technology company, BlackBerry. So um, moving on, we need to wrap up. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us today, Atai, and uh, for putting together some awesome technology. And Rob, always thank you for being a, a wonderful co-host. Real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yep. Rob, thanks. Yep. Great to be on. Thanks, Atai. Great to see you again, James. Yep. Thank you. And uh, that is all. This is the InsureTech Geek podcast powered by JB Knowledge, uh, jbknowledge.com. It's about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. 
I've been your co-host. I've been your host, James Benham, jamesbenham.com with co-host Rob Galbraith, endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenley, our podcast producer, Kara Daltonar, our creative producer, and thank you for joining us. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next week. <laughs>